It's Friday, September 28, 2018, and welcome to episode 216 of Tech Talk for Teachers. I'm Tom Grissom. And I'm Danielle Beeman. Welcome to Tech Talk for Teachers, the show about teaching and learning with technology. And we have Danielle back this time. Welcome, Danielle. Why, thank you. This time we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the things we've been doing the past couple of weeks. And Danielle, just want to kind of get an overview of some of the things that we're going to talk about on this episode? Sure. So, firstly, we're going to talk about OneNote and how interesting and confusing it can be in your own brain. Additionally, we're going to be talking about some top tech picks. Did I say that correctly? Yep. Tech pick of the week. Tech pick of the week. We have actually four different things for you all, so stay tuned. And was there anything else? Oh, we kind of got off track a little, as usual. Uh, going out there so there'll be some interesting side trips as we go down the road but be sure to check out the show show notes Uh, we'll have some links out there especially for their technology picks of the week but uh, there's there's a lot of things going on and i'll have some resources out there particularly for office 365 schools so with that we'll go ahead and get started so here we go And we're back for another episode of Tech Talk for Teachers. With us today is Danielle. Good morning, Danielle. Hi, good morning. Today, I think you're in for a treat because what I think we'll do for today's podcast is uh, we've been working with Danielle on a new endeavor, trying to get her started with OneNote. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So since our last podcast, I think we mentioned, you know, getting started with OneNote. And, you know, I've worked with many, many different faculty and students over the years uh, doing this, but... What I think a lot of students struggle with is not necessarily, you know, pushing the buttons and, you know, what what do I need to do to, you know, like highlight and format. But Daniel and I have been having a really good conversation about how do you actually start with OneNote as far as the organizational structure and things. And it's something that you don't really think about, but whenever you try putting those thoughts to paper, or in this case, a digital notebook, that's one of the first questions you have to ask yourself. What is the purpose of this OneNote notebook? So I thought you know we'd share back and forth some of those conversations we've had over the past couple of weeks. And Danielle, in getting started, would you agree that's one of the areas where I guess you hit one of your first little stumbling blocks? One is a cute way of saying it, but in reality, it's a big stumbling block because I really do like being organized. I pride myself on it. So not having a way to organize with this new system, I really like it and I'm taking to it. It's just slowly because I'm trying to format it according to my needs. So figuring out what my needs are and then putting this down on paper, as you stated, has been a little difficult. So, yeah. So you're very organized, as you said. You you have a, di- a physical three ring binder. Mm-hmm. So I'm you know you don't get to this level unless you're organized and you know have have your act together a little bit. So I mean you're on you're right on target there. Well, thanks. You're, it's it's taking that from an analog world to the digital world, and you could 100% just you know transcribe it or what we call substitute. You know here's my physical three ring binder, here's my digital one. But one of the conversations we had that I, I just started asking you questions. How do you think? You know, how do you organize things? And we had this conversation about, you know, some people think in units of time. So mm-hmm. like if you take I guess the first the first conversation we had is do you want one notebook 
like with all of your courses for the semester right. or do you want a digital notebook for each course so mm -hmm. you can what did you end up with which way are you leaning now the way that i'm leaning is having a notebook for the semester i don't find that doing it in time helps me i actually hate getting on d2l and my professors have it on week one week two whatever i don't know what week we're on i really don't care i just need the content so that's what i'm looking for so i hate clicking through the weeks so for me that's a little bit more difficult because i'm not as much caring about the time as I am about the information that I need to do and take care of. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've been leaning towards is just putting it in one semester's worth by different categories. So the one I'm leaning towards that you actually helped me with, so thank you, is like bringing up some commonalities of each course. So I have syllabi and then underneath that I have basic skills, human development, research methods. And I have that same format for the other ones, like handouts is my section. And then again, I have basic skills, human development, et cetera. Notes, assignment, study guide. And so these commonalities all come together for these classes. So it's much easier to organize the material that way because like I said, I'm very focused, I'm sorry, I'm very content focused rather than time focused. So. I don't find myself needing it per class. Plus, I don't find us having so much content that I need the extra space, I think, to do it per class. But mm -hmm. if I encountered that, I would like to know how to do that as well. So mm -hmm. I've been trying to play with both so mm -hmm. I know what options yeah. I have available. Well, and there's always options. And I think that's one thing uh, I've evolved over the years. I've gone through, you know, two or three different systems and mm -hmm. everyone's unique. You know, we kind of have our own thinking process, but don't get locked in, you know, at this point, because I, I, I always tell you, you don't know what you don't know right. at this point. And as you gather more knowledge and you can make a little bit more educated decision, sometimes that leads to the necessity of restructuring so like next semester maybe you know you do something different mm -hmm. and it's difficult for whether a teacher or as a student because we have all these things coming at us and we have our job to teach or you know to learn there's kind of this little saying out there you know you don't want to switch horses in midstream have you ever heard that mm -hmm. i think abe lincoln said that in one of his speeches way back when but it's kind of like whenever you're into a project you know we're, we're very hesitant to switch horses in this case in this case right. you know switch a method of note taking because we're right in the you know the heat of the battle or whatever right yeah. now mm -hmm. but don't get so married to a particular flow if it's not working for you you know maybe maybe you need to switch on doing that and that's difficult to do uh, it is and we discuss that a lot not to relate it back to this, but we discussed a lot with my counseling, like you don't want to stick to one theory so much that you're stuck in this one theory and you can't help people in other ways and right. integrate other techniques. So I find that to be very similar here with what you're stating. So understanding that I do have a separate option for formatting and I have so many more options beyond that. And it's, I think that people really like to have their set ways and just stick to them because they don't want to go with what's new or even take that effort, extra effort or time. So understanding that you do have other avenues and just keeping that in your toolbox is how we say it in counseling mm -hmm. is beneficial. Like keep your format if you like it, but be willing to stretch if you need to right. and 
be flexible in other ways. Right. And yeah. in, in the teaching field, the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I've said this to you before. It's like there is not a best way to do this. You right. Know? Exactly. So as a teacher, you have to have multiple methods out there, multiple practices, because one thing is not going to work all the time with all the students. Oh, my gosh. It's That's just life. <laughs> it's so true. And the the most to me the most inflexible teachers because they're the most influential people are the ones that actually hinder the students learning process the most because they get so stuck in their ways that they're not realizing that okay this professor is auditory but this student is visual if you show them and put some blocks in front of them they're going to understand it so realizing that people think in different ways is very important too so really like that you touched on that yeah and you know that that organization piece of that in within one note you can do so many different things you can type literally just type your notes in there mm-hmm. if you have a digital device you can do digital inking with a pen or if you have a touchscreen device with your finger with touchscreen which you love which i love that's that's my <laughs> that's your bias thing. that's my bias but i think that might be age related because i kind of grew up in the age before computers you know so my childhood was with pencil and paper and yeah. pen but having said that As a science math teacher, I just cannot imagine teaching math with a keyboard-only device. It would just be so crippling to me. It's frustrating. I mean, it can be done. Do you know they have latex editors and things? But it's very time-consuming, and I'm real into the thinking. I want to know the thought process before. It's like I'm not after that final answer. I want to know, okay, how do you get there, and then how do you transfer that knowledge to a new situation? Mm-hmm. Because you know, a lot of educators are very bad about, okay, we're going to do this, and here's this problem set of thirty, and we're going to do, you know, uh, solve for you know x whatever, and this is the situation or quadratic equation, whatever it is. But that's not life. You know, we're not out there solving a quadratic equation. Here's these five steps to do this. Right. It's like I need to transfer that to a new situation. Mm-hmm. And that's where the freedom of the of the digital linking and pen. And I notice that you do a lot of handwriting with your notes and things on pen and paper, which I is do. fine. And I think I mentioned <laughs> to you that you can just simply take a snapshot with your phone. Yeah, you've mentioned it. And Haven't done it yet. No, you know what? That's I okay. <laughs> no, but no, no, I definitely no, no. need to go ahead and download OneNote and take a picture of my notes because, yeah, I really do love handwriting. I feel like I process the information so much more rather than typing sometimes. And I think it's so much easier for me to write something down to understand it. That's why I'll, I'll write things over and over again to understand it rather than just reading it over and over again. That's just how my brain works. That's that's excellent. And st- continue to do that with the pen and, and uh, paper base because mm-hmm. in teaching and learning, we call that elaboration. And that's what you're doing. You're reprocessing those notes and things. And yeah. that's making those deeper connections in your mind so you're more likely to learn. And learning is a semi-permanent you know, change of knowledge out there and that's what we want too often we go for the superficial it's like okay let's go for familiarity and we're going to cram for this test and we forget it next week it's like chapter five's over forget that and something we also have to keep in mind is just how the brain works so we got short-term working and long-term memory if you want something to go from short-term to long-term you got to make sure that you're helping the process and the working memory to move it forward into long term. And I think there's this problem sometimes in teaching that happens, like I said, with being 
inflexible and that's kind of like what we're talking about here so just making sure that we keep that process in mind and not just trying to make things so narrow all the time but giving the students agency to to do what works for them exactly and there's is there's nothing wrong with the different ways that students learn and some students actually feel intimidated by that very often when you know their peers are understanding something just because it was verbalized and they they need a picture there's nothing wrong with needing a picture or needing to do something with their hands so right, right. and then as i said in setting up this notebook i remember i peppered you with a lot of questions oh on, you did on, on how to start <laughs> and it's not that i'm looking and it goes back to the best way what's the best way it's like whatever works for you i i just wanted to kind of lay out some choices here mm-hmm. that Pick one of these avenues or something. Give it a try. If it doesn't work, it's so easy to adapt and change it now. Yeah. But it's got to work for you. I found that very empowering, too. So thank you. You're welcome. In case I didn't say that earlier. (laughs) That's good. And as far as the dissemination of information, Mm -hmm. and and I've come to love OneNote over the years for that, because I can control the, in curriculum, we call it scope and sequence. You know, what, what are we defining and what order do we want to present something? And OneNote's kind of the perfect tool for that because I can kind of chunk the material, deliver it out there in the pieces, you know, to whatever particular lesson it is, and then yet maintain the flexibility that if I get hit with a question for like on-the-fly learning or what we call just-in-time learning, you know, reacting to students' questions, it's like, oh, I never really thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember as a teacher, our thought processes are different than students because yes. we have the expert knowledge of the years of experience that we have that it, that we we sometimes wonder I've, I've told the students this 10 times why aren't they getting it? it's because mm-hmm. you've done it a thousand times yourself and those neural pathways aren't there yet for them exactly yeah and that's kind of the art of teaching just being able to go out there uh, and adapt that's the flexibility of the note-taking system you don't have to force your method upon the students let the students find you know find out what works now I think like we all have our biases. I think some of that that the teacher has is going to rub off on the students. It's like, oh, well, that's why you do that. That's a really good idea. Yeah. I never would have thought of that. It can be influential. Kind of yeah. Right. And there's a kind of a reason, a rhyme and reason for some of those things that we do. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's just so many options. That I always use the I always use the term that one note yields to the pedagogy of the teacher because we're not locked into any one way. Right. And that's the advantage of an electronic copy over like a paper-based textbook because once those words are fixed in a textbook, they're there for five or ten years, however long your textbook cycle mm-hmm. is. One note, you know, current events, we can talk about what's happening, and we're ready to go. And you can add it in there at any time. So it's it's wonderful to be able to have this flexibility that we didn't have previously and it should be integrated and accepted more into the classroom. People are kind of getting set in their ways and wanting pen and paper, it, including myself. I'm not even all for like technology. This is a huge transition for me. I'm very old school in that way and that I feel like this is how I learn best. So learning to integrate it and as a compliment rather than mm-hmm. it taking over. So for example, that accommodation of, hey, take a picture of it. So it's, it's becoming 50-50 rather than 70-30. So yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that's mm-hmm. that's interesting to hear. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap it up here, but uh, I'd like to kind of continue this because you're seeing things with fresh eyes. 
you know, I've been doing this for a number of years, but I think this will really help our audience go out there and kind of, you know, get started and run through some of those questions. But I guess my advice to the audience is there, you know, there is not one best way to do this. And because it's digital, because it's so flexible, don't feel like you're locked into something, experiment. And that's part of the fun of learning and growing. And, you know, don't lock yourself into something. Be willing to go out there, walk out to that horizon, see what's beyond the next horizon, mm-hmm. and you're ready to go. So thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. My technology pick of the week this week has to do with a conference that's going on right now in Orlando, Florida. This is the week of Microsoft Ignite and Vision Conference. There are a number of enterprise-wide announcements. While this specifically isn't for education, there is a lot of spillover and uh, some really exciting announcements out there from Microsoft Ignite, and I'll place a, a link in the show notes. But one of the updates, uh, Microsoft Stream for the education customers are finally going to be getting the uh, auto transcription and face detection software for videos. So for those of us that are very much fans of flipped classroom, flipped type learning, Mm -hmm. where we'll place a video out there, it will go out and auto transcribe that. So for accessibility purposes, that's great. But also for face detection, So it'll go out there and let's say like Microsoft Ignite, they've got some demos out there. You'll have somebody going across the stage for like an hour presentation and you might have two or three different people present, you know, in little 10, 20 minute chunks. Mm -hmm. Now it doesn't know who the people are, but whenever, uh, you know, say Mickey Mouse walks out on the stage or whoever, it will identify that it's a different person out there and put a marker in the timeline and say, if you click on that, that will take you exactly to when Mickey Mouse walked onto the stage or whoever it might be. Interesting. Because it is auto transcripts, the power for learning there is it's searchable. Mm-hmm. So again, imagine that you have, you know, uh, an hour or two hour keynote and you're only interested in one particular part uh, of the keynote. So you could do a search for like Ford Motor Company boom it'll find it and it will take you oh that's at one hour and 23 minutes into it and start the video right there right so extremely powerful technology out there and this is all made possible through uh, artificial intelligence and this cloud computing revolution that's going on right now uh, in cloud computing one thing that kind of struck home for me was that I, I had a classmate of mine sweet as pie she was very hard of hearing she would identify as deaf but she would really get frustrated that it didn't feel like some of these classroom operations as far as technology really didn't adhere to her needs nearly as much as she would like so her interpreter constantly had to interpret videos that we're watching in class and such Mm -hmm. i mean she was great at reading lips but sometimes you miss details here and there that are very important so it's just it's really beautiful to see that we're accommodating towards making the classroom much more inclusive for everyone involved and that's important because the more diverse a classroom is the more that students can learn from one another and that's equally as important in the hidden curriculum as the formal curriculum as you're discussing right Right. now and in education Mm -hmm. there's something called udl universal design for learning which is kind of designing for all of those different modalities and needs out there yeah and the strength for that is you're not necessarily doing it for you know say a deaf 
person. You're doing it for everybody because if you close caption something, that's a benefit to everybody. Exactly. In this case, you know, makes things searchable, go out there, close captions. Sometimes whenever you're reading something, again, particularly of a highly technical nature, whenever you're hearing vocabulary and things for the first time, it helps to see a word oh, yeah. along along with and the I, spoken word. And I have a whole dictionary app on my phone. I will pause a video, look it up, just to find out what it means. And I'm sure there's so many people who's like that, especially like the word pedagogy. I didn't know what that meant till like last year because <laughs> my professor uh, would say it all the time. I'm like, what do you say? Yeah, that's education so, ease. We're guilty of as educators. Yeah, but it's, so, it's our own language because you have to describe precisely with any any discipline out there has its own vocabulary. Mm-hmm. You're, you're counseling. You'll throw terms out there. It's like, okay, what's that mean? Or at worst, acronyms. It's oh, like, gosh, here's this yeah. acronym. Or, yeah. And we don't think twice of it. And that's where we have to, again, pause as teachers and say, please don't feel like you're interrupting me. Because if you don't understand something, I can guarantee you, you probably have 10 fellow classmates yeah. that are there with you. Mm-hmm. And whatever I continue to talk and say, you're not listening to me because you're trying to figure out what that three-letter acronym was five minutes ago. And it can totally be very intimidating for many students. I'm, I'm not too much of a shy student, so I don't understand something. Trust and believe my hand <laughs> is shooting up like a star in the sky, okay? Mm-hmm. But... A lot of the times I've had professors come back and say, hey, thank you for stopping me. Like, don't think that it's being disruptive. It's so helpful. I noticed that after I explain these things, after you ask this question, I see eight other students look like, oh, my gosh, yeah, Mm -hmm. thank you. Like, I'm so glad she asked that question. So, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then along with this, uh, I recently updated a web page here at EIU specifically for Microsoft Office 365 for EIU as more and more students are discovering the power of these technology tools. And you can help me here again with some fresh eyes. You know, whenever we walk in the door at EIU as students, we have tremendous amount of resources, whether it's human resources or in this case, technology, Office 365. How do we communicate that information to new students? Mm-hmm. And, you know, students like in a grad program here, two, three years, whatever, that's not a very long time, and the time is extremely precious. So how do we retool, take advantage of some of these new technology tools, and if nothing else, raise the awareness that these things are out there? Because I feel like so much of what I do is like awareness. It's like... I cannot tell you how many students I have come have told me. It's like, well, why didn't t- somebody tell us about OneNote? You know, three years ago. I said it's it like, to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, we've been talking about it for a while. Mm-hmm. This is our fourth year with Office 365 at EIU. It, it, we went live in 2014, so this isn't new, you know, right. anymore. And actually, OneNote goes all the way back to 2003. So I've been using it for 15 years. And once you kind of lock that in to your workflow and your mentality you kind of just well, everybody knows about it type thing but that's mm-hmm. one reason i do this podcast it's like okay there's a whole audience out there that's probably saying what is, why is he always talking about this and here's the you know the educational application for it but you kind of have to remember it's like there's a whole audience that you know is a you know square one on, on that learning curve so uh it's it's, it's a never-ending battle, and at the same time, how do you take those people that are learning and take that first step, then you have to level up. It's like, okay, let's take the next step. Right. Let's level up again, and that's how we learn and how we grow. And what I think could be a suggestion is that, for example, for only one of my classes, we were forced to make a resume and mm-hmm. a cover letter, mm-hmm. okay? We had to watch these videos made by Bobby in the Career Center, mm-hmm. wonderful lady, 
who um, will explain in detail how to do these things and then we had to go ahead and turn them in. So just integrating this into the class work, it's not even hard. Give 10 points. Well, and it's an easy 10 points for students. Right. And to integrate these for undergrad into some of the core courses that they have to take, one or two core courses is all you need to right. ask a student to do this. And then in graduate school, one or two core courses, once again, saying like, hey, just check out the ITC and fill this out just so I know that you did it. Mm -hmm. And then it's up to the student from there, like do I wanna take this information and integrate it? Or do I just wanna sit back and sit with my own style? But the, but the best part about it is they now have a choice whereas that choice wasn't given to them. So yeah. I just think it comes down to teachers being willing and also actually doing the work of integrating it into the classroom mm -hmm. and the workload. And, and it's as, a, as an instructional designer, I will say, make it worth points because if you if you just casually mention it, it's like here, that student's got a million things going on. It's like unless that's specifically it. interested in yeah. that one particular thing, mm -hmm. they're not going to do it. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Good advice. Okay. So, what are your tech picks this week? All right. One is super simple. It should be on. Almost everyone's everyone's iPhone for sure. You can't. I don't even know if you could delete voice memos or not off of iPhone, but voice memos are so wonderful. I am super auditory as much as I am visual, and they go back and forth. So being able to just click on my voice memos and just see a list of whatever my professor talked about, for example, maybe a conversation my mom and I had, and I just you know, it may have been profound or whatnot. You know, I recorded myself talking about different therapies like for classwork in order to better understand it. And I actually, one of my professors let me turn it in, which was really awesome. So being able to listen back to it, as annoying as I find my voice to be like everybody else, it's super, super nice to have this sort of filing that isn't just visual. You don't just have to read it. You don't have to just see a picture or a mm -hmm. video. So it's really nice to have this additional format. And then my other tech pick would be measure. I'm not too well versed in it. it I actually just downloaded it to my phone yesterday. A couple other students had it prior. And it accurately or fairly accurately measures the distance between two items in a 3D real life setting. So if you wanted to measure how far one desk is from the next student desk, all you have to do is take it, pick up your phone, aim it towards the desk, set a point on your starting place then you move the phone in actually any direction i believe you can go up down mm -hmm. all around and back again and onto let's say the other student desk and then you hit that point and then it comes up in yellow telling you that exact distance between them and from what i've heard from you tom is that it's it is fairly accurate that people have really backed this up that it's a useful tool. And it also, I kind of played with it yesterday, it actually shows if an object is level or not. So think mm -hmm. about construction workers mm -hmm. having to just pull out their phone instead of bringing this large measuring stick on them in their toolbox, they don't have to anymore. Charge up your phone, aim it towards this picture frame that you want to hang up and it's it's right there it's beautiful it's, it's level really and interesting yeah uh, i want to go back to your voice memos uh just a moment sure. from a learning perspective yeah. and things there what you're essentially doing there is you're kind of unloading your memory mm -hmm. i will say kind of in possibly the heat of the moment when it's fresh in your mind 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's kind of your purpose because you're wanting to capture that moment in time. And it's raw. Exactly. Yeah. It's new and it's going out there. How often do you go back and listen to them? Do you transcribe notes or, I mean, how are you using it after that? I'm trying to use it more and more often. I'm not perfect at it, but actually my a GA had told me that I was using a gestalt form of therapy and what was interesting was that that was one of the therapies that I recorded myself on and I turned into my professor so I'm actually going to go back and listen to that and it's it's so much more beneficial to me because I can listen to it in the car exactly. as I'm walking. I'm a headphones person. Don't like people say don't talk to me before my coffee. Don't talk to me before my music. <laughs> so like I I just really like that it's there with me at any time and I can really think it through. And the fact that I use my own words makes it so much easier for me to understand because when I read a textbook, it takes me ten times to understand the same paragraph or even sentence. I. Like my comprehension isn't high, so the fact that I can take that information, think about it, and then put it in my own words in a way that I can understand, this will be the best studying tool because I did it in the way that was best for me. So that's what voice memos allow you to do beyond just recording anything. Well, you're recording your thoughts and it can be very profound and bring a lot of awareness and insight to something that you may not have even understood or realized prior to saying this into a tape. So So you just gave an excellent little mini course on pedagogy right there because you just kind of went through the series in learning what it takes to go to long term memory, short term to long term, getting it out. You said repetition. I listen to it, listen to it, listen to it. However much it takes, I'll go through, I'll make notes, I'll make connections to my prior knowledge. I've got something to go toward future knowledge out there. Knowledge builds upon knowledge. And just a little mini synopsis right there. And that's how we encode that memory to long-term memory and therefore learn. So excellent, excellent job. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. We'll go ahead and wrap up our technology picks of the week. That's all for this time. That wraps it up for episode 216 of Tech Talk for Teachers. I'd like to thank Danielle for coming in and sharing some of her experiences this time with OneNote and getting started as a student. Uh, For show notes for this episode, please visit the EIU ITC website at eiu.edu slash ITC and click on the Tech Talk for Teachers link. Until next time, this is Tom Grissom. And I'm Danielle Beeman. Keep Keep on on learning. learning.